Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Post Analog Podcast. Hey, it's Charlie here with the Post Analog Podcast. The first episode of the music edition. The reason why I'm putting out this pod, because for us Gen Xers, you know, when you lead towards your 30s, you start changing your priorities, whether if it's having a family, a change of career, or just where you phase out the nightlife element of going out, bar hopping, uh, if you were a club head, or even like if you were just like a big time music head, right? So this is music where it fits our ear in modern day. However, to set that up though, We have to go through a little bit of like the old stuff and the stuff that we missed in the 2000s. So I'm going to be co-hosting it with my friend DJ Rilo, a.k.a. NQS. And for this episode, I'm going to be interviewing DJ Bonds and DJ Breeze, who are legendary promoters, the Elements crew, right, of Los Angeles. And they were really, I want to say under revered in the hip-hop side of especially for the west coast side right because everyone loves to point towards like you know dre snoop but there was really like a backpack culture in la that wasn't as exposed and these are the forefathers to like uh boombox you know boombox uh, shout outs to inca one who's the current promoter who's been throwing uh, monthly and they purvey and upkeep the lifestyle of the LA beat scene and the golden era ear. So with this episode, I talked to Bonds and Breeze and how putting together the doc was actually a great experience. I'm putting together an interview show in jujitsu and a lot of post-production is just really tenuous on my end. Also, what they learned about stepping back and watching what they've achieved. You know, there's so much in the documentary to where you learn about like promoting, uh, concert going, and the fires that you have to put out. And they talk about how uh, they received a lot of love from all coasts, right? North, south, east, west. Everyone uh, started paying their respect to them. And then finally, we cap it off with a little bit of hip-hop talk, obviously, and modern-day versus golden-era talk. So I present you the first post-analog podcast episode on the Believe Network and Plug One Two. The Elements Doctory presented by DJ Breeze and DJ Bonds. Thanks. I can't necessarily say that it tested my patience at least um, because, and I think maybe he feels the same way. I mean, he can answer right now, but I I had a lot of fun uh, on the job because it was the first time I'd ever done it. So it was something new, but, but him and I, we picked it up pretty fast. Uh, We also had some people kind of guiding us along the way, some more experienced people that were always a phone call away as far as questions that we had. So that was a big help. But as for me, I had a lot of fun, even as long as it did take, it was a huge learning process, but I, I, for the most part, I took it in stride. 
he handled a lot more business than I did. So maybe he has a different take on it. Cause I know the legal thing was just a whole entity by itself where we were like, wow, we're really learning on the, you know, what is fair use? What is not fair use? What, what can you use? Like you say, you're finding issues with background music and those were things that we didn't know. And we were just like, okay. But even when we had some setbacks for us, I mean, at least for me, I was like, we're, we're going to be fine. We're going to be good. I always just felt like, you know, it never got like where I was like, what am I, you know, I never regretted the decision of starting the doc to answer your question. Sorry. Cool. No, no, it's dope. Bonds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is, is the question basically, I think it was taking too long or what, 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 what's, what's the question? Be, 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 the, the question is with the painstaking process of doing a documentary, um, what did you learn about yourself? Cause we're older now and you right. need to exude so much patience doing the first run. Yeah. 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 Um, I think I learned, uh, well, I learned several things, you know, because it was my first time ever doing it you know that kind of thing um but um you know there's this uh there was this thing we had an outline of different storylines right of what we were going to try to accomplish and um you know we were like yeah we're gonna be like 100 people and you know it don't it didn't take 100 people to make the doc you know as far as the final result right so you have like 60 people that didn't even make it right you have like these incredible names in hip-hop that yeah they, we you know we I, and people interviewed in my house for like three hours and they're not being used in the dock so if anything i could probably be more efficient you know what i'm saying and have a set list it was nice to have gold like i have hip-hop gold library i have archives of stuff that i can make a whole doc series like we we, we could do a lot more with everything that we have now so that's cool you know what i'm saying but in hindsight, I, I'd probably be a little more efficient um, with, you know, kind of like the structure and, and, the, and the approach, if you will. Um, but it, it, to Breeze's point, it was so much fun making it that I'm, I'm glad for the lessons, right? You know, I'm, I'm, glad, and I'm glad I have the content now so I, I can continue to do this and, and keep putting out material and stuff that's important to me of folks that look like us that have like the same love of music that we do, you know, hip hop and stuff like that. It's like you get a pride when you see yourself on screen. Not, and I'm saying me or being egotistical or no shit like that. But, you know, when I watch the Wu-Tang talk or when I watch like, you know, things that are similar to my growing up, you know what I'm saying? You know, there's just something about that. You have so many different stories out there. That's not us. That's not represented. Or if there is a story about black or brown people, it's hella negative. It's hella on some gang shit and violence and every show got to be a black dude in prison. And, you know, so it's just, you know, to have different stories out there from us, by us, you know, it, I am inspired to keep doing this kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? Even though the shit took fucking forever, you know? So. For sure. But do you guys feel even in towards the mid nineties, towards the early two thousands, if like the use of the internet was prominent, do you think like LA would have had more respect because people can see more of the scope because like what, uh, not so much in the sense of spoiling for the listening audience, but even Talib Kweli was like, Oh, my impression of LA was this. I didn't mm -hmm. know of this 
I'm, I'm speaking ambiguously, so that way I don't spoil anything. But Talib was like, but Talib was like, oh, that was my impression. And Maceo, I think, said the same thing, too. That was my impression of L.A. So it, with the penchant of the Internet exposing everything, you know, do, do you guys feel L.A. would have been more respected by New York? You got this. You just helped me write a caption for our IG post about this, like about cell phones or wishing there was cell Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's a I think it's a double edged sword because we have we're because everything is exposed now. I don't think it would have happened the same way because now it's not it's not regional anymore where before it used to be. Sure. You know, you had to like if you really wanted to get your music known or whatever, you would have to move to New York or L.A., maybe Chicago, like a major city. Whereas now you don't know or not now, but it's been that way, obviously, for a while since the influence of Internet. Now, a, a, a kid from Minnesota or a kid from Wisconsin can actually have a following. And that's because of the Internet. So I think if the Internet was as predominant as it was then, I don't think L.A. maybe probably wouldn't have gotten that respect just because the attention wouldn't have gravitated to L.A. anyway. It would It's all over the place now. And that's that's Internet influence to me. You know, I think it's because of that. It, like, you know, not to give it too much away, but like, yeah, if you didn't know anybody, like, you know, like for me personally as a kid, the only reason I got to hear hip hop stuff is because I had a friend who used to go back in the summer when he was off school, get the tapes, come back and then play them for me. So unless you were in that situation, you know, but that it's because of that, that it did stay regional, that L.A. had its own scene and it would stay like that or New York had its own scene, Philly, et cetera. So I think, yeah, if Internet was as it was then, I don't think I still think L.A., wouldn't have gone through this path just simply because of that internet influence. Interesting. Bonds, you got anything for that? I mean, I, I do think there would have been, you know, maybe some of those uh, battle rappers might have been household names in the fact of, you know, just um, the way how quickly those MC battles got viral in a, in a sense back then. Um, and if you missed it, it was the buzz, you know, throughout you know, different spots, you know, and then people will talk about it like at other events or, or, or places or whatever. Then, you know, you come back again on Sunday and we do it again and it'll be another MC battle. So I don't know. I, I think there would have been maybe, um, you know, those different cats and those moments, they, they you know, I, I think that there would have been a thing there, you know, before smack and URL and, you know, uh, King of what's that King of the, What's that thing? What's that called? I'm so bad right now. That that battle league. Oh no, he got me on that. Yeah, 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 yeah something yeah. like King of the Hill or something like that. Yeah, King 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 or something. I'm sounding something. No disrespect to the brothers. I think from Canada, but um, yeah, I I, I think some of our the MCs would have been household names. So in that aspect, it's kind of like oh man, you know, I I do wish they had a little more shine. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, because I, I do my interviews in a societal long form format. So I want to get both your reactions to this, because I feel if we had the Internet. I think, well, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm not no, go ahead. Sorry, but I, I wanted to add to what he was saying, please. And because he, he, he brought this up in another interview and it was a good point where it was this great sort of. We caught lightning in a bottle and as I'm doing 
all these interviews since the film and since we made the film, and maybe Boz can agree with me on this. I'm, I really took for granted what we did. We really perfect place, perfect timing, and it was the perfect storm. It really was between radio, music, the record store, the venue, no internet. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It was because as I'm seeing it now, it hasn't happened that way since. Not to say that there's not dope events or anything. There is. And there's still a scene and it's dope. But just that perfect chemistry between the even the independent labels, the straying away from major labels, Stone's Throw, ABB, Good Vibe, Rockus, Up Above Records. They, they, that was not the golden era. Golden era was still on a major label status where even if it was indie label, it was still distributed by a major label. So I, I, I am really thinking like, man, I really took for granted what we did, what, what Bonds and I did in the era that we did. It hasn't happened since. And we just happened to be at the right place at the right time. I haven't seen that perfect storm since there hasn't been a perfect storm between the artist, the street and the internet and this and that, like we don't really see that too much, you know, at least I think. So, yeah. well, that's really as far as you know, hip hop. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, that, no, 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 all good. Well, I think that's really connected to what I was going to say because I feel like you know, with pop music, there's that the way engineers fucking do it. They do that pop smash where it's both mid and high, right? It's like this. Yeah. Taylor yeah, Swift sounds very... like fucking this, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I just feel like homogeny, you know, homogeneous, a homogeny would have came out. You know, because then everyone's going to imitate Dilla. Everyone's mm -hmm. going to Pete Rock puts out Pete's Cermentals. Everyone's going to do their version of Pete's Cermentals. You know, mm -hmm. everyone's going to copy the BB, the BBE label. So right. I just I just feel like, thank God there wasn't that shareability and biteability because that's when the it's that type of gold. Mm hmm. If that yeah. makes any sense. How do you guys feel about that statement where I feel like it's going to be, it was going to be homogenous eventually. I, I would agree. I mean, there is something yeah. to, um, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. uh, I think I was watching something about Bay area music and you got from hammer to hieroglyphics to too short. And just in that, you know, just, just different sounds and every, no one sounded alike, you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, no one sounded alike, you know, really straight up. Everyone had their own voice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, folks talk about that a lot in music now that people aren't unique. They aren't, they're not genuine. And so, um, no, it, it, in that aspect, it is great. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that there wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't that, uh, that it, it, it wasn't so easy to bite people basically, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and that's the thing like in, in hip hop, you know, you know, biting anybody's whack as hell, you know what I'm saying? So, it should sure. be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 that's that's done for 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 the Gen Zers. It, it's in their nature to copy because it's all shared. Right. Well, I don't like mean Bond that in a disparaging saying. way. I don't mean that in a disparaging way. No, 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 no. Of course, it, I think it's the cycle of things. But like what Bonds was saying, it, you, everybody wanted to sound unique, but it was it was a, like visionaries didn't sound like J Five. J Five didn't sound like Dilated. Dilated didn't, didn't sound like Self Scientific. Self, and nobody sounded like Freestyle Fellowship. You know, so and and so that was the thing is not only that you had everybody had their own unique style. Everybody also recognized everybody else's unique style. You would catch like 
Tumex, you know, wearing a fellowship shirt. You would catch Charlie Tuna wearing a dilated shirt. Like everybody supported each other as well. And that was, it was more of a tight knit community where I don't see that either anymore. You know, so not only what Bonds say, everybody had their own unique style and everybody recognized it like, yo, they're dope and they don't sound like us either. So, you know, that I doesn't, I don't see that anymore. Either. I think that lightning in a bottle uh, pension that you, that you mentioned breeze is really important because I feel like there was a large concentration of people that um, would, it would be crabs in a barrel. Right. Like, fuck them. My sound is better. But it's interesting that you both put that information in the dock. Again, I'm being broad here um, because a lot. I, I remember Qbert and respect to Qbert, like he would slap labels on his records that says don't bite. Mm. But the energy between record label, radio stations, DJs from other zip codes everyone really got along and supported each other. And I felt like I lived in New York for a little bit. I felt mm-hmm. like it was so I'm the statue of Liberty, but why do you guys think in LA it was more supportive than the fuck out of here, dude, than, than, than a crab in the barrel mentality. You know what? I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, at least from my personal experience in New York, the I've been there a few times and I feel like, they support as well, but within their own community. Uh, if it's outside, then, you know, just like us, we kind of, you got to have to show and prove, you know, unless we, you know, know you already. I know when East Coast acts like KRS or somebody would come here, we would be like, hey, you know, open arms. But, sure. um, but um, I don't know. I, I, for me personally, I saw the same type of support in New York that, as the example that you're bringing up. I, I, I tend to saw, you know, Maceo going to a large pro event, large pro, you know, going to go see Maceo, et cetera. And, you know, so I would, I would see that support out there as well. That's, sorry. that's just my, sorry, Breeze. I meant that in New York, looking at LA, not New oh. York uh, to fellow New Yorkers. Oh, my bad. Uh, shit. Bonds, you want to take that? Or? <laughs> well, as far as the uh, level of support between LAX, is that, is that meaning no, between me- New York yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Yeah, New York supporting L.A. I mean, um, I, I yeah, I don't want to touch too much on the doc as we, we touch on that. But uh, for the most part, East Coast would come out here and they would they you know, you'd have to be like really egotistical and self-centered to not see what was going on out here. So, uh, you know, Maceo is just one example who is who says it on record like we have some of the baddest DJs out here you know, on the West coast and, and, you know, and he's Maceo, you know, so, um, but of course when he comes out here, we're geeked. And that's the cool thing about, I don't know, you know, I think it's just the West coast in general, not just LA, but we're still fans. So we get geeked. Like when Maceo comes out here and is DJing or we get to go see large pro or, or mad skills, you know, you can catch mad skills at Escala a lot, you know, shout out to OG Chino, you know what I'm saying? For the brunch. And I'm like that for me still as at my age, I still get geeked. Like I'm going to go check out mad skills on the ones and twos. Like that's still, you know, so I think LA has always been supportive of outside as long as you were dope, you know, that's all we want is as long as you're dope. <laughs> sure. Bonds got anything for that? Yeah. 
And then nothing yeah. more to add to that. Oh, okay. Well, because because the one thing is, um, I I feel like in a way the kids are luckier because they're like the, the collab generation, and a lot of that is, you know, again props to the doc for doing this is is because it was like a shared culture, ver- versus like exclusivity. It was more inclusive. Um, yeah. uh, the great thing that you guys gave props to was uh, Club Unity, right? It, are we being age, ageist? And it's just because I remember going to 8 and Hope Street, watching the Beat Nuts perform in downtown L.A., right? But I had to fucking go to one spot. There. You were there, too? Oh, cool. I was there, yeah. I had to go to one spot to find out where, where the Beat Nuts were performing, where they used to give you, like, a flyer to call a number at this time mm-hmm. to find out where it was. It, now, for, for us older heads, it is it just novelty because younger people might be like, no, we're, we're A to B. We just do this. You know, we just give it the direction, but I told them no, but there's something about a hunt where it felt yeah. like we're the ones who really wanted to see the beat nuts, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. is, is, is that old mentality or is that being novel? Uh, I, I mean, I guess, I guess I'll take it. it to me. It was, it was that era. I think I said this to somebody else that nowadays, with hip hop stuff, it's happening in very nice venues. You know, it's like the sure. Regent Theater, you know, the Observatory, uh, you know, it's happening in very nice places, the Novo, you know, <laughs> like, whereas Unity, you know, was happening in a in an empty warehouse with concrete floors and a leaky roof. And I literally saw rats running around. So it was very raw and organic. And yeah, the hunt about it, because we also in that era, downtown LA was not what it is now. It's not, it wasn't gentrified like it is now. You didn't go to downtown LA unless you wanted to get some drugs or you were going to a possibly illegal warehouse party, which is basically what Unity was, <laughs> you know, in, especially in the beginning. Later, obviously, it, it elevated, but, um, but a lot of, you, you, you only went to downtown to party in that type of place. And back then it was acceptable. It was like, it was just very raw and organic and that's the way hip hop was. So I, I, it couldn't happen now. No way. I'm sure, you know, these kids would be like, what are we doing here? Like, you know, so I, I, I disagree with that. I think it's about to happen. Yeah. It is happening because yeah. of what's happening with the current pandemic. So, Oh, that's a good point. That. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because it point. is happening literally right now because of the pandemic, but right. That's um, a good point. But you know it's it, and well, pre-pandemic, like, pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point, Bonds. That's a good but, point. You know, so hopefully there's this, uh, uh, a I don't say resurgence, but uh, there's something to that that someone right now, right, is like, you know, they have to go through the scavenger hunt to find this venue of something that they really want to see, some really incredible hip hop show they want to see or whatever and they have to go through all these different things in order to find it now and they get to experience that because there is something to that there is something magical special to that you know so hopefully they, they get to have that that experience because it is dope you know what i'm saying you remember it now you have a certain feeling about it right you know it, it, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah so so hopefully the, what's happening right now although it's crazy as hell uh but, but you know it'll be a memory that will never fucking forget well <laughs> you know? to 
to add on to what he's saying, I think you can achieve that same magic feeling. You just have to figure out a different method. You have to sort of have to use today's tools yeah. to do it. You know, like you could send a mass text out and be like, there's a dope hip hop event going on right now with elements downtown. And then it still gives them the same feeling like, oh, we got to go now. Everybody got the message and everybody's on the way. You know, you could easily do that still. You just have to find a different method to do it, you know. Yeah, I feel like something like IG Live would start and then you see like 20 people and then you start promoting it. Now, all of a sudden yeah. you go back, you pull back into a big wide and it's like, ah, mm-hmm. that, that would be amazing. And then and the novelty, that's oh. the magical feeling, like what you were saying, Bonds, is is hypercritical to the genre that you love. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, well, since you guys touch a little bit on the pandemic, do you guys feel like what Azul is brilliantly doing with like the events in downtown mm-hmm. is, is that going to be the main thing? Cause it's outdoor versus small venue, or is that eventually going to balance out? I think it'll eventually balance out. I, I, I think it, things will eventually get to, you know, quote unquote back to normal. But um, in the meantime, it, it, you know, it's all about, I think for, uh, a lot of hip hop promoters now is like, okay, do you uh, double, triple down on some like, you know, adventure in, in, in a warehouse type thing? Do you comply to what has to happen in, in venues and maybe lose half your crowd or do you do some outdoor events? And, you know, but we're, we're, we're dealing with, you know, now going into winter and rain and stuff like that. So it's tough being, being a hip hop promoter is fucking tough. So salute to hip hop promoters because the shit ain't easy. And if anything, if any guidance I could give is at some point, if you know 10 folks who got a little bit of money, go own the fucking building. Go, you know, stop dealing with the owners. Go own it. Own it yourself. Produce the kind of hip hop you want, you know, and, 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 and you know, own the fucking building. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's probably the biggest regret, mistake, whatever the fuck was that I wasn't awake enough to pivot to find those 10 people to invest, you know, $10,000, go get the liquor license, go buy the building and stuff like that. And, I, and I've seen it done. My, my cousin did it in Indianapolis and he did it twice with two different venues. So I know it, I know it can be, and I've seen it firsthand. And we have friends who own places now, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, for some reason, hip hop, we don't own our shit, you know, as far as I'm talking about owning the venue is what I'm speaking to right now. So, you know, if you hear my voice right now, you hip hop promoter out there and you know, some folks got some loot, man, go, go, go own that venue. And, and, and create a different culture, you know, for, for us as far as ownership and, you know what I'm saying, paying the DJ a little bit more because now, you know, you you dictate the wages, you know what I'm saying? So um, anyway, that's my little speech on that. Let me shut up. <laughs> no, no, it's dope, man. Uh, did you guys ever get into like sliding scale with the bar tab shares right away when you guys, or were you guys so preoccupied with the event and the MCs and the battles you guys were throwing? I'll take this because yeah, go ahead, bro. The, the, the business shit was fucking crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> the GABA specifically, right? Yeah, um, yeah, GABA specifically. So, if you were under, so it was a rental fee of like you know only like 150, wasn't bad. And then security was like another 150, and you know, so it was roughly around 500 bucks before I even like open a door, right? And, and that's without paying staff. So now I got to pay staff. Right. So that's, you know, a couple hundred. So next thing I know, I'm, I'm up to almost a thousand dollars just for a normal night, just, just, just for a regular fucking night, not even acts or no shit. All right. 
So one is almost the cost of what I would rent out the fucking El Rey or some shit. You know what I'm saying? So that already was like 1500 bucks for me back then. So I'm almost at a thousand bucks, just a little hole in the wall spot that people brag to me now about jumping the fence over and sneaking in and shit. So anyway, so but we're, <laughs> we're roughly looking at like a thousand bucks, right? It's opium night. Sorry, I'm just going to let it out there. This is my Do therapy. that, man. I'm, I'm, this is my therapy. So, you know, fucking, you know, the, the price, the price was $7, okay, to, to, to get in. And so out of that $7, if you're under age of 21, the owner charged me three bucks because he felt they're not going to buy a drink. It's not enough for water. So we would keep a tally of how many hundreds of people were under the age of 21. And that was an extra, you know, clinical fee. So it was just a, it was, it was just rough, like for us on, on the, the, the financial side of things. So there was no sliding scale, but it, what I'm mentioning as far as different fees were adding up to where, it was literally as if we had the same production or, or production costs as doing a, a, a venue, doing a, a, an event. And our only way of making money was through the door or through maybe occasionally a, a sponsor putting their logo on a flyer, you know, stuff like that. Um, but it definitely wasn't quote unquote a moneymaker. We weren't doing this for money. We really were doing the love and the passion of, you know, hip hop for, 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 you know, Everything that was hip hop, you know. I will say this though, with a little funny, and I can say this a little funny story. The first was it the first? No, uh, our second show at the El Rey. Mm. Uh, the bar made enough money. <laughs> I'm not going to give the amount. It made enough money that their bathrooms were destroyed, and they didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the yeah. honest truth. I was there. I was like, they're like, oh, we'll we'll be fine. <laughs> that's how much money that bar made that night that for the, the second show that we threw uh, they were they were that happy <laughs> we never saw a dime for that though no yeah it, no. i mean hip-hop is such like a passion project it's like e even just being a dj you know like you guys DJ. i mean you fucking herniate your neck stooping down low being in a bedroom just trying to make some blend and you hear someone do <laughs> you know yeah. everything is yeah. like passion based and yeah and it really i talk to my younger cousins and i tell them like look man lyrics the words are also the instrument to this whole orchestral hip-hop thing so you guys are all just instrumentalists which is great you guys don't sample you guys use a bunch of fucking presets and my generation has provided the technology for you to use. Great. Yeah. Bravo. Mm -hmm. But you guys need to write about the fucking pain because that's part of the process mm -hmm. of the lineage. But um, sorry. I mean, we're kind of like becoming our own therapist to each other here. Um, yeah. oh, good. Um, for, for me, though, I, I have a I, I basically have an 18 year old son. He's about to be 18, like in a month or so. And he puts me on to a lot of new things and and i can't front there's a lot of stuff that i like however because of my influence on him he's the only one of his friends who listens to the roots uh j5 he listens to dilated he likes that stuff still to this day but he also listens to new stuff and it's crazy how he's kind of looked for that i've never really told him to do it but he seems like he's automatically looking for that balance between new sound but still with lyrics and beats and i can't front there's some new stuff that i'm like okay i, I you know 
this is probably not really my cup of tea. I was like, but I can't front. And I was like, it's, it's actually pretty dope and it's well-produced. So yeah, it's, it's always going to be an evolving art. It's always going to be an evolving art. But I think if beats, lyrics are there for that, and then, you know, if you can put a DJ in there, that's great because <laughs> the DJ is the backbone. But, and I think as long as that's there, you know, music is there to evoke a feeling. So, you know, it's always going to be an evolving art as long as it evokes that feeling in the end. I think you've, you've, you've reached your achievement. So, well, but I feel like <clears throat> these kids are monsters, dude. Their fidelity, the way they oh, yeah. mix, uh, the, yeah. in, the, the way they, uh, they're between harmony and melody and how they break the structures is amazing. Like all these mm -hmm. labels like Ho What Where, Selection, Alpha Pup, Supreme programming, man, and mixing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if there wasn't that racial tension between the former venue, do you think you guys would have stayed or eventually would you guys have matriculated and transferred to the larger venues? Anyways, I'm trying to be as not, I'm no, trying to be it? ambiguous so that way they still oh, want to be curious oh. like, wait, the venue didn't want them because of X race, you know, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to tease the whole time to, for the, for everyone to be curious, to really watch. Bonds, this do you want to? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, hmm. Because so, I, I, let, let me help you marinate the meat bonds. Yeah. Because, because, the, because the thing is, and breeze, because the thing is, if it's beautiful and raw, there's a tendency for Gen Xers to stay in that, in that flow state. Oh, dude, we're Wu-Tang Clan from Staten Island, so we're going to stay on this ferret. Mm -hmm. but, but I'm curious if you guys look back watching your doc, do you think you would have eventually no bigger venues? We're here next. We got our purple belt in jiu-jitsu. Time to get our brown belt. No, we, we, we tried, actually. It's not in the doc, and I don't think I've ever even said this publicly, but we, we, I, we, I tried hard to get another venue. Like, I really did. I remember there was one spot on La Brea, like south of Wilshire, across uh, street from Leonardo. It was, a, it was a boxing ring. I was going to run out of a boxing ring. Um, and then the MC Bells would have been in a boxing ring and a microphone and, like, you know. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like I, I just, it was, it was yeah. a vibe. It, it didn't have um, a patio, and that's ultimately why we didn't we, we didn't go with it. The patio was such a thing of being able to smoke weed, you know, in the patio and just have the third. Um, but you know, yeah. So you know, finding uh, finding the right venue for hip hop is is tough. One is you know you have the politics of you know throwing a hip hop show, and uh, the perception of the owner was what might happen, right? You know, at a hip hop show, and so you have those barriers that you have to go through. Um, but on the economic side of things, it got to make sense too. So yeah, like I said, being a hip hop promoter, it was not fun and easy, um, at all. <laughs> was not, was, was not an easy time. Yeah. There were, there was certainly a double standard, uh, going on there, you know, to, to, I guess, answer your question about like race, there definitely was a double standard as to what bonds had to go through to get a venue as opposed to a rock band being at the whiskey or the Roxy, you know, cause there's, there's video proof of what used to happen 
nightly on it whenever somebody had a show there. You know, I mean, you got like, you know, <laughs> just rocker kids, you know, just duking it out in the street. And, you know, our crowd was not that. And uh, Bonds had to like really jump through hoops basically to just convince, or there was, you know, yeah, there was always some type of like, oh, it's hip hop. Like, no, we, you, you can't do that here. And, and it was, uh, that was a constant hurdle, especially in that era. Yeah. You know, sometimes you hear, um, you know, for a black family, you take your pictures down, you have a, a white person in your home who's a friend and your house gets appraised more or whatever. So sometimes we had a, a, a mutual friend, uh, a white dude named Mike that would go to venues for us. And he was associated with Golden Voice. And that's how, like, sometimes we would negotiate. Like, me and me and my cousin Damon wouldn't even show up at all. He would, he would go out for us and then negotiate for us. So, um, it's, you know, it was a sign of times. It is what it is. You use your, uh, you use, use, your, use your white homie <laughs> to, to, to go get a better rate for, yeah. for, for you. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yep. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of that actually. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of that. There's value to Dave Chappelle saying that in "Killing Me Softly." You know, when you get pulled over by the police, you gotta have your white friend oh. handle that <laughs> shit. You know, that's right. That's you know, right. Yeah. you know, it, it, no, it's, it's true. That that is uh, a a feeling that's both socioeconomic and structured to the genre that we were into. You know, mm-hmm. at, at that point. But what was the relief like when you started having a bar and fucking girls come in, dude? I mean, that must have been like such a an amazing feeling because that's a different element. That's dyna- It's a dynamic feeling having chicks rock to hip hop, you know? Uh, for me personally, uh, even when even when we were peaking at the weekly uh, like I said earlier, I, I took it for granted. I, I'm more appreciative of it now. What we did when you're, when I was there, I was just in the moment, working, and and you know I'm sure Bond's going to attest to this. When you, when it's your event, you're working it. Sure, no matter what. Even on a normal low key night with no gas and re- your resident, it's still you're working. Uh, one of the things that Big B used to say, "Rest in peace." He used to come to Elements um, before he passed, and he used to say, "I like coming here because I get to enjoy hip hop and not work." Because obviously, his event Unity, he's working it. And Bonds and I, we were we were running around everywhere, making sure you know so and so got in, making sure you know, making sure just everything was right. So a lot of times we didn't get to enjoy the the shows like the fans did. You know, and uh, I, I I wish, you know, I'm definitely grateful that he took the initiative to film a lot of these shows, which obviously we, we have great archival footage of it. But if it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't, you know, remember much, you know, because we were we were working. You know, I would I would get to the El Rey Theater at noon or one o'clock and, and Bonds and I wouldn't leave till like four or five in the morning. And, you know, not because we're hanging out. You know, because we're we're working the venue, we're bringing turntables, we're making sure people are getting paid. You know, making sure that everybody's good. So walk, you know, it, you're you're working the event. So yeah, I I I wish you know 
I'm this this film is like great. I get to see what we did because I didn't really get to see it then. You know, <laughs> there, there was there was the uh, uh, I'm say a pride, but yeah, I, I guess you know being able to um, you know have ladies up in the place. You know what I'm saying? So we were, we were specifically you know, have different promoters who could holler at girls. Like you have to, like, you know, so me and Damon could promote, Breeze could pass out flyers, you know, it'd be three of us, but we had, you know, there might be eight events in a night on a Saturday night or Friday night, you know, so we, we can't be everywhere. So, you know, we will hire specifically promoters that can talk to girls, you know what I'm saying? So that was, that was, that was another, you know, marketing strategy, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, you know, so, yeah. um, you know, it paid off. The street <laughs> team can't be ugly. We might be back to hip hop, but yo, you gotta be able to holler at the girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I yeah, mean, you hey. can't have interesting ugly bitches handing out the flyer, dude. And we also had ladies free. Yeah. So that was that helped as well. Ladies were free all night, actually. Yeah. And good. we were the only place that did that. Yeah. Some places were like ladies free till eleven o'clock or ladies free till eleven thirty. We were ladies free all night, so all that night. also, lady, you know, so Come women were like, "Oh, we're going there. It's free." Yeah, you know, and then yeah. you still got you know fellas buying you drinks. You know? <laughs> so yeah, and you get to hear some hip hop. So yeah, yeah, we we were the yeah. Do do we you guys? That's also what separated us. We were a club. We weren't just a spot. Yeah. I, well, I, I remember we would perform at the Temple Bar. Can't hear me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you, you guys hear me right, now? Yeah. No. Now no? I can. Yeah. Oh, okay, maybe, maybe it's just the you're going in and ass out. fuck Wi-Fi here in Glendale. <laughs> can you hear me? Hello, Glendale. Say no more. Yeah, yeah, man. Glendale, bro. Bro, um, the thing is, like, I would still feel stress, whether if it's at the little temple or the temple bar or yeah, even doing something right. And, and even if it was the House of Blues, it would still be stress. Nah, yeah. I hear the Wi-Fi fucking up right now, too. Um but, but but did you find it more, did you guys find it more difficult or were there different levels of difficulty depending on the size of the venue um i mean yeah it's definitely magnified when you're at the el rey or it gets it's the same issues but they're just magnified i think that's that i maybe i don't know if Bonds has a different take but you know yeah, the no. same pro, the same issues would happen at at the GABA as the El Rey, but at the El Rey they were just magnified because it's it's a bigger event. Yeah, so. but yeah, the, the usually the the nights were a little different because uh, the club, you know, although we had acts, it wasn't like um, you know, hotel and you know, transportation and things like that. Usually it was a local act that was driving up. So the club was a little bit easier, uh, you know, in my mind. It was it was yeah, I see easier to manage you know um the, the, the weekly and all that and you know I, you know for me i i never got a chance to really rock the way i wanted to rock on the concerts because i was managing the concerts and stuff so 
at the club, you know, there are nights where, you know, uh, I, I might DJ the whole fucking night, like all four hours if Seals had to do something or and vice versa when I was on tour. Like, you know, we had to, um, a lot of nights where Seals was DJing by himself and we had to invite and make sure Gabriel was a part of, you know, the collective and started DJing. Um, so, um, the music aspect, man, you know, and again, we're fans of hip hop, you know what I'm saying? So at the club, you know, be able to, uh, uh, go back and forth with Silos, me and him going back and forth, cutting and scratching and doing these four turntable routines. Um, man, I, 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 I grew up that way. Um, DJing wise, I, I would DJ with, uh, my friends were all Filipino DJs and shit. We, I don't know why, but we always would do house parties with fucking four turntables and shit. Uh, at my house specifically, I would throw house parties like crazy. Um, and uh, that's how I grew up. You know what I'm saying? I grew up on that four turntable shit, going back and forth with a homie. So to do that with CeeLo's like for years and shit for Elements, uh, it, it definitely warms my heart. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was, it was some dope moments we had. Yeah, and did I feel like watching you guys throw something with fat beats and then to to the larger scale venue, especially, the, you know, like the El Rey, was there an innate... Well, were you guys more relaxed at fat beats because it was like, oh, this is home, we're here all the time, or was it still kind of like uh, a, a pressure? behind fat beats versus a large venue because that's fat beats isn't even a venue you know it's it's oh, is it the, the in stores i mean the, the in stores were uh producing in store events it was um yeah was it was, easier it's, it's, it's different you know there's, there's, there's still some headaches or whatever but it was it was um it wasn't uh it, it was it was different it was like apples and oranges you know what i mean i'll leave it at that it was a little different <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and and I feel like sometimes with um like I've seen I think the junkies we threw like an event pre-pandemic and the far eye was there and he was talking, I forget to one of the promoters for the uh turntable company, and he was like, dude, I just don't want people to be so up close because it we're like at the the bee junkie school so mm. I, I would feel like i've attended one fat beats event but it feels like the audience are some of them you feel like they could be aggressive at that moment to the mm. performers or the djs but uh apparently you guys um you guys never experienced that like over aggressive like fans to the performers at fat beats uh fat beats no no, the in-stores are great. I mean, my experiences. And even at the El Rey shows, uh, over-aggressive fans, no. Uh, we, we we did have a Fans, fans that want to battle, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you got that. You got, you got you know, yeah. I, I mean, idea when when, when Atmosphere came into the, to our, our club. And, yeah. The, and, and, you know, I did had just won the Blaze battle, I think, right? And so there was this, like, every single MC wanted to get at dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? They, they, they were like, oh, 
you're the dude, huh? Who won the blaze about a year the guy, you know? So <laughs> it was, it, it, it was that, you know what I'm saying? As soon as he stepped in to the club, everyone was gunning for him. You know what I'm saying? And, and what was so dope about idea, he got up on stage, you know, he, he did his set with, with slug, but then he see, you know what? I'm not here for a rap battle or no shit. I'm not going to enter no organized battle, but I'm here. So if you want to see me, come see me outside, you know, on the patio and we could go at it. You know what I'm saying? And he did, you know, he went outside and, you know, some, some incredible sessions that night, you know, on the back patio, you know, rhyming sessions. So um, rest in peace idea. I, I, I will forever love him for that moment. You know what I'm saying? You know, and you know, a lot of our, to be honest with you, a lot of the LA underground hip hop stars, we're sometimes afraid to go up into our club for that element. You know what I'm saying? Because our MCs wanted to get at them. You know what I'm they saying? Were, they were, they were not afraid. They were not afraid. Nope. So yeah, <laughs> our, 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 um, under, under yes. heads were like, yo, you know, we, I'm going to get at you. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, sh- sh- shout out to all my, you know who you are. If you're hearing this, there's a crew of, of MCs underground battle cats, that um you know at any given moment you know what i'm saying they will serve your favorite mc straight up yeah yeah just like the boxing uh talk like what you guys said you know if you're you're paying a sparring partner freddie roach says i'll give you a thousand bucks to knock out manny pack yeah guess what they're gonna do they're trying to fuck his ass up Mm. right there then so it's it's and that 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 to me is is beautiful because it forces the champ to be the champ. There's something about that that just it maybe in this cancel culture era, it, it's not as celebrated, but there's something about that where you know the established person just they you gotta have your guard up, you gotta answer your phone and be ready to box. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. can you guys do another five to ten more minutes? And yeah. I know it's late, so no, I appreciate good. you guys putting in time. Uh, more, more on the personality based. Thank you. Um, why do you guys think Lab Cab in California and the blowout comb, these sophomore albums, wasn't as revered compared to the first album? <sighs> did you guys like it as much? I did. Like, I, did. I thought. I, I dropped shrooms. I dropped shrooms to blow out combs. I dropped shrooms to blow out combs, and I had a wonderful time listening to that album. And I love Lab Cabin, California. I think it's a phenomenal uh, piece. You know, I, I also, I, I think people just get boxed in with the sound. You know, it because it is different from that first album, or both artists. You know, so I think people just want that. You know, and Maybe they get so caught up in that sound, you know, but I, when I first heard Blowout, I was like, oh, this, this is dope. This is really dope. Oh, and same thing with Lab Cap. And I wasn't like, I want to hear your mama or, you know, or, oh shit. Like, how come I'm not hearing that? I wasn't like that. I, I love the first time I heard running drop and she said, and, and all, and you know, all the, all the stuff from Lab Cabin was amazing to me. So I, I, I was one of the people that embraced both projects. Yeah. Agreed. I, How about I love you, Bonds? No, I love growth, man. I, I um, you know, uh, yeah, I love Nas Automatic, but yo, this last album, I had that shit on repeat. You know what I'm saying? Because it, 
is growth. You know what I'm saying? He's speaking, you know, in his mentality, how way he's talking, it speaks to me and how I'm dealing with and what I'm dealing with now. I've been a 44 year old black man, you know, grandpa and father of a twin. You know what I mean? Like, like there's certain things he's saying and the way he says it speaks to, uh, speaks to me. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I love growth, you know? So yes. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm just curious why it, it, it was, it wasn't as revered or they didn't get the same numbers compared to the first album i thought just, lab cabin did to me like because... i thought lab cabin did better it didn't do as, as good as the first one i guess maybe because passing me by or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. bizarre ride was just nuts and then the crossover from live in the oh, barbecue soul flower right. you know you got two versions of soul flower you know it's right. it so potent and strong and it was just very very i'm in my 20s I'm yeah, in my I mean, 20s. I mean, know, I guess I trying to get I girls, mean, to be, trying to smoke weed. Yeah. To, to be honest with you, I didn't really notice that then. And I think also because you had that separation more than I think with mainstream. And so we didn't, I mean, at least me, I didn't notice that it wasn't really as revered because I didn't care, you know, <laughs> like we, you know, we come from that era where we didn't care what radio was playing, you know, you know, with Friday Night Flavors and Fantastic Four, and you know, so um, I, th- I mean, yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah, you were, you're right. It wasn't as reviewed. I remember that, and uh, but I, I was, I never thought of that. I, I, that's a good question. I, I think it's just, it just goes back to what I said, where people were really so used to that one sound and they wanted that again, that nostalgia of it. But um, um, I agree with Bonds. I, I I like growth too, as long as it's dope. And and I think the direction that both of those groups went was like, wow. You know, that's all I said after hearing those albums. I was like, wow. So, you know, and, and, and it seemed that way in LA too. I mean, at least in LA, like I heard a lot of people playing that blowout comb album and, and Lab Cabin, you, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing Running. You know, Running was being played everywhere. And that drop video, you couldn't, turn on the channel at that time without seeing that video everywhere too so maybe because we're in la and it's a west coast group but yeah we 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 love worship please farsight get back together (laughs) (laughs) for sure bonds and and breeze like so where is are you guys in the what i call the cigar stage for djing and music now where it's like I got a whiskey, I got a cigar, I enjoy music as a consumer. So does that satisfy your soul now? Or are you guys still have that? Maybe aggression is the wrong word, but the desire to perform and DJ out still. As far as going out and, and playing, like no, I still. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going in and out, but I'm still able to make out what you're saying, so. So like but, sometimes um, like you just like move your mouth is, and then is, it takes a second for the audio to catch up. That's how I'm hearing it. Yeah. And imagine playing that on Sirius XM out to cut that shit out too. Um, so so with DJing, where are you guys at now? Is it is it a case? Is I mean, I, I, I'm not as aggressive. I, I don't play out as much, but I I know when I whenever I get a gig, I still get excited 
like it's the first gig and I still get nervous like it's the first gig, even though I've played, you know, thousands of gigs and I, I still get excited. So I still have that enthusiasm for it. You know, I just got my new mixer and, and the other night I was, you know, breaking it in and I was having a ball. I was like, man, it still feels like, like I did 20 years ago. So, um, you know, I still love to do it. You know, I, 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 that enjoyment still hasn't gone away from me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm heavy in the streets. How about you, Bonds? I'm, I'm working, working. You know what I'm saying? So, shit. Next week, I think I'm DJing Tuesday through Sunday or some shit. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm heavy in the streets. I love DJing. It's mental therapy for me. You know what I mean? To uh, be on the turntables and. You know, each venue is different. Each crowd is different. Sometimes it's, you know, the normal, you know, kind of playing uh, the radio for the joints, just making people dance. Um, sometimes, to be quite honest with you, some of these bars, man, um, you know, <laughs> you, <laughs> depending on who's there, man, I was getting requests for the visionaries the other night. And then it went to like, you know, someone wanting like, uh, you wow. know, like, uh, yeah. And then, and then I started to do the sample then, then, you know, the, the hip hop song that played the sample is, is I used to do back when the pandemic first started, I was heavy in a twitch and, and I used to have a thing called main ingredient. And, you know, the, the, the whole night was just sample based, you know what I'm saying? And so I would do that kind of set and they were loving it and they, they love it. They love it. It is a spot I do every Thursday and they, they fucking love that shit. Um, so that's just inspires me. So I'm still, I guess, for lack of words, working. You know what I'm saying? A, a, a working DJ. Um, not that I have to. I just want to. I love DJing, you know. But the, I think the cigar phase for me and hip-hop will be when I start making beats. I'm going to make start making beats at some point, you know. Uh, I, I really want to. I, I want that to be. I have this image in my head of, like, being on the beach. You didn't say that. You know saying? <laughs> saying it for years, man. You didn't say that for 20 years. 20 years. At some point, I'm going to start making beats. I start making beats. That's my cigar phase, you know with like your toes in the sand. Yeah, well, you know, something like that, man. Oh I just, man, I, just, I, I I I see it, man. Like I have these deja vu moments. That's why I know things are going right in my life. Like I I have deja vu's all the fucking time. That's how I know I'm on the right trajectory in life and shit. And I have this vision of me making beats, and I'm uh, I'm looking out at the ocean. So I know at some point that's going to be my cigar moment. You know what I'm saying? Where I'm just making beats, not because I have to, just because I want to. And you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I don't even know if it's going to do anything, but you know, I mean, who knows, you know, who knows what's going to happen. So. Like, would you do, go ahead. Would you do the MPC route or would you go ASR 10 or just straight out like software now at this point? You know, I don't know. I, I, I tried using, was it the Serato thing? That's I mean, what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I need like a tutorial or something. I, I keep getting stuck on certain places. So I just need someone to kind of hold my hand a little bit. You know what I'm saying? To quite honest with you, then I'll, I'll figure out what's going to be the, 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 the right method or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So I'm still at the beginning stages, like hella beginning stages, obviously. You know what I'm saying? So I'll get there. So, so, so guys, um, as we close, uh, where can they get a hold of you guys and, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and blast this on a couple of stations on on satellite radio. So that way they can, you know, there's there's a lot of people even from NPR that are curious to hear the 
the uh, aspect of L.A. because L.A. is now so proud, like KPCC's putting out like a strictly L.A. radio show. All mm. things L.A., but if it's about immigration, music, food. Uh, so where can they get a hold of you guys and hopefully uh, get to feature the doc, too, and maybe hire your services, too, eventually? Uh, the doc is available on all platforms, iTunes. Uh, uh, Prime Video, uh, Redbox, Xbox, uh, what else? What, what, Google what, Play. Yeah, Google Zoom. Play. It's a, it's on all the digital platforms. It's called Where We're From, Rise of LA Underground. Uh, and the Instagram is Elements Doc. That's Elements D as in David, O, C as in Cat, Elements Doc. And then and uh, my Instagram is DJ Breeze, just DJ Breeze. Yeah, my Instagram's DJ Bonds 007 and the website also because the website will have like That's the, right. the, 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 the single merchandise, you know, stuff like that. So www.elementsdoc.com, elementsdoc.com is the website. They'll get a listing of, you know, uh, from where to watch the film to merchandise, even like recent interviews and press and stuff that's out there right now. So uh, we definitely have been uh, appreciative of all the support and love that's come our way yeah. uh, since the release of the doc. And I hope, you know, as fans uh, of hip hop keep watching and seeing it and sharing it, that um, folks get inspired, you know what I'm saying? To keep this culture alive that we love, you know, and to practice and love uh, hip hop and keep sharing, you know, the, the, the love, you know, yeah, appreciate you guys, man. Thanks for, for the long for conversation. And I'll be blasting this and hitting you guys up with the IG stuff. Yeah, yeah please let us know. And that way we can do our thing on our end. Word. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Thank you, Charles. All Take right. Care. Good night, man. All right. See you. Thank you. The Post Analog Podcast for Generation X. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.